Hello and welcome back to another episode of De Stefano Talks, talking Scottish football, and this is episode number 17. On today's podcast, uh, I am joined by Declan Hughes. As always, Declan, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm glad to be on after a wild weekend for football. Also on the podcast today, we have our Spanish correspondent and regular podcast contributor, Mark Cunningham. Mark, how are you doing? All right, Stefan, how you doing, boys? All right, I, as Stefan says, a very, uh, very whirlwind, a whirlwind weekend for football. So, uh, can't wait to get into it. And also, we are joined by none other than big Motherwell fan, Gogsy99. Gogsy, how you doing? Oh, uh, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, mate. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm glad to get you on. You're probably wondering, you're missing someone out. Lewis, unfortunately, can't be here today. Uh, he has uh, other prior engagements. Um, before we get started on today's games and recapping all the Scottish Cup action, what we're going to do in the past 24 to 36 hours, we've seen this formation of the European Super League by 12 clubs across Europe's top four leagues, uh, the big six, and I use that in air quotes, the big six in England uh, of Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea and Tottenham, as well as Italy's Juventus, Inter and AC Milan and Spain's Atletico, Madrid, Barcelona and Real Madrid have all agreed to join the European Super League. Guys, I think because it's it's mean this is a footballing podcast. I think the best place to start is to look at the European Super League. We've seen pundits, ex-players, uh, politicians, fans, and even governing bodies coming out against this formation of the the European Super League. I just want to start by saying what a disastrous and very impactful situation we we, we find ourselves in. You know, football as we know it looks to be changing and changing for the worse. Um, Declan, let's start with you. What What's your thoughts on the, the Super League? I think it comes down to one thing, and that's greed. You know, a club Africa in Tunisia summed it up perfectly with a TIFO, saying that football has been created by poor and stolen by the rich. And we're really seeing that come to fruition now. I mean, it's like they've asked someone to just pick big kind of recognisable names and put them in the Super League because based on success some teams I, I don't understand are e- why are even in it anyway you know Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City Man United and Tottenham are going for it but Arsenal haven't finished in the top four since 2015-16 season and Tottenham have never won the Premier League nor the Champions League you know they're guaranteed a seat amongst the so-called elite you know, even in Italy, you've got AC Milan and Inter Milan. Fair enough, two big clubs financially, but they've, prior to this season, have not won a Serie A title between them since 2011. You know, teams like Napoli, Roma, Atalanta, not not included, not invited, but have finished above the Milan rivals in their recent seasons. So, to be honest, it seems like they've just went all out to pick. Who can generate kind of the most money? Who's the biggest kind of clubs financially? Let's just put us all together and just stretch away from, you know, the working class roots some of these clubs were were built on. And it's just kind of disgusting uh, to see, to be honest, and something personally I'd be against. 
I seen Barcelona come out with a statement last night, um, and were like, Barcelona has agreed to join the other eleven most important clubs in Europe and joining the, the the Super League. Barcelona have this motto plastered over their stadium, Mesquite on Club. Mark, you're our, you're our Spanish correspondent because you're out there in Seville or Sevilla. Um, well, what's your thoughts on that statement from Barcelona? The other 11 most important clubs in Europe. Are, are Barcelona really trying to portray the, the narrative that Tottenham Hotspur are a, one of the 11 most important clubs in Europe? I know, mate. Um, um, I mean, you're, you're actually, your champions of the Champions League aren't, aren't even being quoted in that same breath. Your are your Bayern Munich, who are arguably the, the now the best, the, one of the best clubs and probably one of the biggest clubs in the world. So that's a problem for, that's a problem for a start. I just think Stefan in general, mate, and the motto Mesquion Club in Catalan and Spanish Mesquion Club, basically it's supposed to be more than a club. More than a club is supposed to suggest to me that you're a club of the people. You're supposed to be a club for your fans. And Man United and Liverpool at the top of it have got the biggest cheek of, of the lot. They are clubs that are supposed to be built out of working class cities, clubs for the people, and they're basically sold out. Honestly, Stefan, the league is an absolute disgrace. It is a disgrace of an idea. And I don't care if it's been used to, for political leverage over UEFA or whatever they want. The fact that the idea has even been banded about has really showed the true colours of these clubs. Honest, honest to God, they should be sanctioned. They should be banned. They should be, they don't even have any point in fining them because money's just an option to them. They should actually be taken for everything they're worth. Sunday the 18th of April 2021 is the day where the world of football, or certainly the so-called elite of the world of football, sold the jerseys. Gogsy, Manchester United have on their Stretford end, it says football without the fans is nothing. How much of a slap in the face is that to not just Manchester United fans, but football fans worldwide? Oh yeah, it's a height height of hypocrisy, like... You see all these massive giants uh, going about saying uh, how much the fans are great to them, but they've just completely betrayed the fans because Im- imagine they're, they're having a, a league match against Barcelona away on a Wednesday night, followed by a Saturday away at Juventus. I mean, how are fans going to be able to fork out? That's yeah. what I want to know. That, that's the thing for me. I think they're speaking that's... about playing playing the games like in Beijing, Australia. So it's not even going to be like going to Paris on a Sunday at 3 p.m. Just... Uh, well, not even Paris because they're not in it, but like going to say Spurs away at 3 p.m. on a Sunday, it'll be in like Australia. And they're just trying to push this as far away from their own working class fans as possible. Just as well, just as well, just as well, Celtic haven't been invited in. Paul the Tim would have a heart attack. We had about a globe trot and he'd need to do. <laughs> anyway, we're away to Paris one day, Beijing. And I, anyway, but no, I completely agree with what Declan says there, 110%. Because, honestly, look, it's one of them where you're trying to basically turn this into the NFL. That's what these people want. They want this to be turned into the NFL. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they implemented a draft. Honestly, and started going, you can have... You can have, um, for like top sake, well, Messi and Ronaldo are coming to the are coming are coming to the end of their career. No doubt, if PSG somehow managed to join in this, if Mbappe Mbappe's going to be around for twenty, oh, Mbappe will go and play with this one this year, or else then he'll maybe get going drafted and get drafted away to you've, away to AC Milan or whatever. Or, you know, it's just an it's, it's an absolute joke, and it does not surprise me who's at the top of this league, being Florentino Perez. Now, Florentino Perez 
But a lot of anyone who doesn't know as the as the president of Real Madrid, right? He is in charge of Real Madrid basically, and has been for years, right? And basically, he's the one that created this galactical culture. So that was a problem right away. Real Madrid were basically buying the best players from the best teams. Yes, they did. They developed a few of their own players as well, but. And they basically created this elitism, galactical attitude. And don't be wrong, yeah, it was great to watch, but are we really wanting to take this a step further? And are we really wanting to try and implement a Super League that's basically going to kill the rest of football? This will kill domestic leagues. League One, League Two Championship. Even the Scottish football, and it's very relevant for us as well. We, we, get, we basically get the, the, the drips and drabs of the money as it is. Can you imagine that there's not even a focus in the Champions League now? The amount of money that we'd lose out in this is best. And now, this isn't, and this shouldn't be a case of money, but obviously football clubs need money to survive. You need to bear minimum money. I just really think it's just a real elitism class that's been created. And it's, you're right, Steph, I'm what you say about Spurs. Spurs are, a dis, Spurs are a disgrace. That's what Spurs are. Spurs are a disgrace of a football club. They have won absolutely nothing. Nothing. And, mm. and and honestly, yes, they did no, no Premier Leagues. Yeah, well, well done. You got a Champions League final beat of Liverpool. Fair enough. Celtic got to you. Celtic got to UEFA Cup final against Porto, beating 2003 here in Seville. Does that mean that we should walk into the UEFA Cup every single year? No. Look, do you know, you need to earn the right to do everything in football. And these clubs believe, uh, these clubs are embarrassing every single football fan that pays money. Just, just to add on what Mark's saying as well, like if you're if you're actually basing it off the the so-called elite clubs, you know that have that have won the Champions League, then and that's that's what you would choose from. Arsenal, Atletico, Man City, and Spurs haven't won one single Champions League between them. They've obviously got Nottingham Forest. They've got one more European Cup than all them. Like as as it's seen on Twitter and it's been broadcasted on Twitter today, like Feyenoord. Red Star, Belgrade, Marseille, you know, PSV. What's happening with their clubs then? Are they just not getting an invite then because they're not as known or they're not as financially well off as the other teams? Or is it, you know, it's just just makes no sense. Oh, no, definitely. De de definitely, mate. And it's the hang about it is. And, um, the, hang the hang about it is, you know, these, these clubs are all bigger than Spurs. And I don't get, and I don't care if Spurs have just got money and built a lovely, big, fantastic stadium and it's modern day in the middle of, of London, and they want to go and play football and the and the where they go and sell the pie stalls and all that. If they want to do that to promote their clubs, fine. You've got these traditional football clubs, and this is where I'm really happy with the German clubs looking after their own pyramid by not rejecting this idea. And all the clubs that Declan's just mentioned there, ourselves, Celtic as as well. Celtic have won one more European Cup than some of these clubs as well. Look, the, these uh, these other clubs that maybe haven't had haven't really been taken by the money, the big wave, tidal wave of oil, oil and whatever money. I mean, Man City is basically owned by a country. That's that's that says it all for me. Are what, these clubs smaller clubs? No, no, of course not. What I find you know interesting, you mentioned Florentino Perez, president of Real Madrid. He's now the chairman of the the European Super League. What I found about his comments, you know, he says there's four billion football fans that have a desire for this, and that's why they're doing it. They're doing it for for football. I've never heard something more ridiculous in my life, and not only that, I've not seen one football fan turn around and say, yeah, this is a great idea. This is something that can really help us all and benefit football. Mm -hmm. It's a ridiculous statement from a man that 
as you mentioned, Mark, sort of created a, a culture of Galactico. And um, does it is it surprising? No, not really. But is it sickening? Yeah, it is because they're you know it might be the most watched sport in the world and certainly in this country. But I've yet to see one decent football fan turn around and say this is exactly what football needs. And do you know why they haven't? Because it isn't. It's nothing but but utter nonsense. I just want to quickly. Um, move on i've seen obviously uefa have released a statement uh with the fa the the french fa uh the spanish federation and the italian federation in Serie A. they've all they've all came out and sort of came against this they've uefa have insisted that there could be punishment for these clubs that do decide to break away and that they won't be able to compete in any UEFA competition, whether it be the Europa League, the Champions League, the Conference League, UEFA Euro. They've also indicated that FIFA will not allow these players of these teams to play at any FIFA-related tournament at the World Cup. So it kind of begs the question, do the players realise what's at stake? They might not be able to compete for their national teams um, they, you know they could be punished but in that sense does that then hamper teams like Scotland because we do have uh, Scottish based players playing down in England like Kieran Tierney, McTominay if they're banned from playing from Scotland does that not hamper the, the Scottish national team? Yeah, I think it does but I think it's up to the players now to, to stand forward and you know take some take some ownership for what they believe in and, and like, stand against this. And it's interesting that we're, we're talking about the, the players making a stand because I think just breaking the now, Ander Herrera has been the first player to kind of come out and speak against it. Basically saying if the European Super League advances, those dreams are over. He said he fell in love with popular football, with the football of the fans, with the dream of seeing the team of my heart compete against the greatest. If this European Super League advances, those dreams are over. The illusions of the fans of the teams that are not giants have been able to win on the field, competing in the best competitions will end. So, like, I think, obviously, to drop back to Scotland, we we will be affected because obviously our main players play in that division. But I think that the players can use their, their muscle and their, you know, platform to speak out and stand against this. Um, Do you boys remember the Nike advert, the clones? Do you remember that advert? Remember that yeah. one? Well. Is that not basically happening here? Is that not what we're going to watch? Or even if you decide to watch it, I think they'll actually make it pay-per-view. I think that's the next um on I think that's the next oh, thing they'll do. They definitely will. Do you think do you guys do you do you guys think then that that's this culture that's been created? Now, this might sound quite far fetched, but the, the point I'm trying to make is that advert was what same thing over and over again. And it was the players in that that actually made a stand. And I completely agree with what Declan says there. You've got it needs to be the players that have to come out. And it's not, and it's great ex-players and ex-pundits doing that, but the real people that have got the influence in this as the players, because without a player, without any players, there's no game. So I really, and, and it really, really worries me about the Scottish, the Scottish, the whole Scottish game in general. Uh, I don't know about yourself, Gogsy, as well as a Mullerwell fan. Um, like as a Mullerwell, as a Mullerwell fan yourself, mate. Like you must worry for your own club because you know how tight the money can get in Scotland. It's itself and as I've said on the podcast before if you listened your club is a very very well run club anyway oh, yeah. but if it's very be Alan Burrows Alan Burrows done magic for you guys honestly he did and the thing the thing about it is if you've got uh, this Super League basically ruining the Scottish pyramid the national team because the players are banned as well 
but if it has a knock-on effect in the Scottish pyramid, as a club outside of the old firm, as a fan, does that not really concern you a wee bit as a Motherwell fan? Well, I actually had a conversation with some of my mates last night and um, we've come to a sort of consensus that we get bare minimal money anyway, whether the old firm's in Scotland or not. But from a competitive point of view, imagine, because the BBC Sport account uh, tweeted out, uh, the 12 founding members plus three unnamed clubs will be expected to join and five sides who qualify annually according to their domestic achievements. Now, that indicates to me one of the old firm could potentially be brought into the Super League. And for me, uh, the old firm are too big, uh, globally supported, not to be uh, considered for this. What, what happens if one of Celtic or Rangers go? For me, it opens up competition for the other 41 clubs, or 40 clubs, sorry, uh, that are in the Scottish pyramid. But also financially, it's awful because uh, there will be clubs that rely on the sort of gate receipt that they would potentially get from the old firm. I think, to be honest, mate, um, um, with the old, see with the old, see with, with the old firm. I think the old firm got offered it and knock it back. To be honest, I know, I know what you're saying with, with money, but Celtic and Rangers, Celtic and Rangers are, are uh, more than anybody else built mm. off of working, are built off of working class backgrounds. Plus, um, it's still the old, it's still the old, the old saying of oh, it's only Scotland. They don't have the ignorance. The other clubs that will get considered will be probably they'll probably try and persuade the PSG to come in. That's who'll be next on the list. They'll probably try and get another Italian club in, probably maybe Napoli. But not, I, but again, I would see them knocking it back read, because they are. I read somewhere. The sorry, uh, I read oh, somewhere that they'll extend an invite to Shakhtar Donetsk as one of the clubs as well potentially. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> no idea. If they just if they just put in random random team generator and all that thing in FIFA you do and you press Aye. square and it just randomly picks a team for you. It would appear so. I, do you know, right. I, I think for me, um, the talk of Celtic and Rangers going into this European Super League, I'm not going to say they wouldn't turn it down. And I, I'm going to aim that, I'm going to level that right at the Celtic board. Because if the Celtic board had a chance to make what's expected to be like an annual of £300 million and a, a Celtic board that are already very, uh, let's just say they're very money-orientated, I don't see them turning that down regardless of how the Celtic fans feel about it. And as sad as that is, that is just the way that, that Celtic has run it. It, it. They run it as a business rather than a football club first. And I, I, I can't see Celtic turning that down. I can see the fans being outraged, but I can't see the club. If they are offered a chance to go in and make 300 million, they're taking that regardless. And mm. that, that money will make up for however many people, uh, however many Celtic fans that are season ticket holders decide not to renew. So I'm going to say that. Um, look, we've, we've touched on this subject quite a lot. I think it, it's a subject we're probably going to cover in the weeks to come because I think more news is going to come out about it. However, we still have the recap of the Scottish Cup action to do. Uh, there was a lot of games on over the course of the weekend. I had the pleasure to cover the Aberdeen and Livingston game on Saturday night. Um along with Gogsy. Um, let's just start off with Friday night's fixtures. Let's start with St Mirren versus Inverness. St Mirren ran out 2-1 winners and what 
seemed from the, the highlights that I seen seemed like a, a close game. Um, let's start with yourself, Declan. What did you think of that game? Yeah, I think prior to the game, you know, it was it was one where you felt Inverness could probably have another upset because you know coming off coming off a high, I think they might have been five or six maybe unbeaten going into the, going into that game as well. So and obviously beating the rivals along the way in Ross County. So, um, I thought that you know it would be tight, which it was, and I actually thought that St Mirren can count themselves lucky they're in the next round because from going off that game, Inverness, I feel dominated. They had the better chances, you know, but it might have just came down to that little bit of quality that the, that they were missing, in in the end, and obviously they might I think tired legs and stuff played a part at the end and. St Mirren went and nicked it with Marcus Fraser in the kind of last minute. So um, Inverness will be, disapp- be disappointed maybe didn't get more for the game, but I think they, uh, they can the support and obviously Neil McCann will be proud of the players for the shift that they put in because they probably did deserve more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gogsy, what about yourself? What did you think? Uh, from what I heard of the game, I thought uh, Inverness dominated the game and they deservedly apparently uh, went win the lot. And um, then St Mirren pulled it back and got a late goal through Marcus Fraser to uh, to seal their place in the next round. Uh, I feel sorry for Inverness because uh, I watched their game against Ross County in the previous round and uh, they completely battered them. And it was 2-1 going on 4-5. Um, Scott Allen seemed to be pulling the strings really well in that Inverness team. And it's good to see that he's uh, back up and running and Complete, he's almost full, back to full fitness uh, after what happened to him at Hibs and uh, hopefully um, Inverness can go on and finish off with a very strong end to the season uh, Mark, what about yourself? Aye, well the Samantha and Inverness game good. obviously a, a, cracking, a cracking result for um, for Sitman. Um of course you'll say with it uh, this the one they'll be looking to, to get through and hopefully this is the thing I'm going to say about every other team now with one of the old firm dropping out of the of the of the cup it now gives every other team that bit of optimism that they can maybe get themselves to a cup final if the draw is favourable enough for them um, mm-hmm. you know so it's always it's it's great. It's, it's a thing that every other team will be would have probably been rubbing their hands together when they noticed that Celtic and Rangers were uh, drawn against each other I certainly was. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on to Forfar versus Dundee United. Um, I seen the highlights to that one. That was a very dull affair. I think Forfar had quite a lot of, um, you know, they 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 held their own against, you know, Dundee United. It's something I didn't personally see happening. You know, it's Dundee United. They're the the Premiership club, whereas Forfar are the the League One club, so it, it was strange to see. But Dundee United ran out one 0 winners in the end by a, a decent finish by Peter Pollitt. Um, Declan, what, what did you think? Yeah, I mean that was kind of Forfar's probably last big day of the season. You could you could say because they're pretty much doomed now in the, domestically. So going into that cup game, you know, at home they had nothing to lose, and they obviously put up a a fight, they created some good chances and stuff, but Dundee United at the end had, had too much for them and, you know, they probably didn't get a second gear really at the same time as well and deservedly find themselves in the next round. Uh, Mark? 
Absolutely, ab- ab- absolutely, mate. Uh, just with the, it's obviously the game that you would expect Dundee United to win, you know, um, and they, and when they did, um, with, yeah, Peter Paul after fifty six minutes basically um, being the difference, and as Declan says, obviously it was sort of for first last hurrah for the season, and uh, well, unfortunately for them, they weren't able to upset the apple cart and uh, cause a Premiership upset, and Dundee United did what they had to do. Basically, turn up, uh, turn up, and um, basically win. That was it, and they did. Uh, what about yourself, Cogs? Were you, su- I suppose, I wouldn't say were you surprised by the scoreline, but are you surprised at how well Forfar sort of kept themselves in the game? I did expect a tight, uh, a tight scoreline because it, well, Dundee United have been a bit shaky at times this season, and uh, I think they'll they'll just be happy to be in, in the hat for the or in the draw for the next round because it was just one of the ones where four for on the AstroTurf pitch could be a banana skin there and um, I, I think we coped with the occasion uh, four for did put up a really good fight uh, however I wasn't really uh, able to see much of the game because uh, there was another game that was happening um, at the same time there, there was. We'll just come on to that then straight away. Motherwell won, Greenock Morton won, but obviously won 5-3 on penalties. Gogsy, you're the resident Motherwell fan. Talk us through that game. How, how, how are you feeling about it the whole way through? Yeah, I, I was really confident uh, at the start because of Motherwell's home record against Morton. Morton hadn't scored at Fur Park out of uh, five or six attempts in the current millennium which was uh, a bizarre statistic. Uh, but the fact that Morton came out of the traps quite early on, they, they did a high press, they were completely all over us for most of the first half. We only had a couple of attempts at goal. And, uh, like, it was a lot of a lot of stuff was happening for us. Like, every bad touch we made, uh, Morton were on onto us in a flash. Like, there was one chance that I think it was Nesbitt that had a, a glaring chance one-on-one with Liam Kelly, and Liam Kelly stopped it. Uh, Robbie Muirhead have a, had a scorpion kick that went just over the bar. Uh, I never thought I'd say that in my life. Um, but we were lucky to be level at half-time, and then we were even luckier to be level at full-time. And I think it was just the, the fitness that, that kept us up and um, to get to extra time. And score in the 120th minute. I thought we had done it. I thought <laughs> we'd we we had saved a potential upset. And then Morton go and go up the park and score the literally the last kick of the game. Um, most infuriating thing I've 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 had all season, and I've, I've seen Motherwell play every single game. Uh, so, and I mean to, to just win on penalties, I'm absolutely delighted. And I will say a good omen for us is. In 1991, the last time Motherwell won the Scottish Cup, we played Morton, we got forced to a replay, and we beat them 5-3 on penalties after a one-each draw. And that's exactly what happened on Friday night. See, that is, I love I love stats like that, omens like that, I do, I love it. Um, Mark, what about yourself? What, what did you think of the game? Well, um, the, good, the, good thing, the good thing about it is, uh, first, first and foremost, at least it was... Uh, um, a game that the old one that went obviously went to penalties. So um, obviously a cage a cage game went uh, all went all went all the way, and yeah, 
Uh, obviously, well, Steve Stephen O'Donnell, Stephen O'Donnell scoring 121 minutes, and then the equaliser on, on 123 it was quite un, quite interesting. But um, yeah, for me, I don't know about you guys. Apart from when your own team's involved in it, I can't can't whack a penalty shootout. I absolutely hate penalty shootouts. Um, from a Scotland perspective, I you know I know we've we've never lost a penalty shootout. I know we've never missed in a penalty shootout. Um, but no, I, I'm after twenty sixteen. I'm I'm not a fan of penalty shootouts at all. Um, Declan, what about yourself? What, what did you think of the game? Yeah, I think games obviously in the cup are always kind of cagey anyway, especially if, like from Muddle's point of view and. There's probably more pressure on them, you know, playing against a team that are second bottom of the championship. But, you know, so it was obviously KJ and just, I think both teams probably took a while to get properly started and into the game. And then obviously full time, extra time comes and Motherwell scored a good goal through a, an international, which, you know, that bit of quality probably thought, you know, Motherwell fans probably thought they were going to go through after that. I think the Motherwell players obviously thought that as well. So it was maybe a, it looked like from what I seen, there was a lapse in concentration from the set piece. And, you know, Martin sent a half, don't even know how to pronounce his name, but um, uh, he, uh, he, uh, he um, you know, rose above everyone else and, and planted it in to say that he penalties. And obviously, I think Graham Alexander probably was probably sweating because to get knocked out off Martin, you know. Would have been a, would have been a pretty embarrassing. But you know, he was just bad. Not as if it's he, happened to Celtic before, has it? <laughs> he would just be, he would just Please be don't go back to the next <laughs> Please don't go back to that game, mate. Speak, speaking never, from experience, it is bad getting knocked out of Morton. But I we went on to win, you know, so many league cups after that. So we've we've wiped our tears with that. But I. Love it. Um, Kilmarnock versus Montrose was the next game. A very early um, kick-off. I believe it was, what, 11.45 it kicked off at? Uh, a bit of a weird one. But um, Kilmarnock ran out 3-1 winners. Kyle Lafferty on the score sheet again. Um, let's just be honest, not surprising. Uh, I think the only surprising thing is that uh, Valentine scored for, for Montrose. I think that's probably the only surprise is that they got a goal. Um, let's just quickly sum it up. What 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 was your thoughts on it, um, Mark? As just as, just as you've said there, Stefan. Yep. Um, nothing surprising in the result at all. Uh, yeah. Um, basically, uh, Kilmarnock easy should cut nice, comfortable Scottish Cup win at home, and uh, an own goal and the goal for Kyle Lafferty and a goal for Greg Kilty as well. Uh, so that basically. Positive for them, three goal, three goals at home, and yep. Um, apart from that, no surprises there. Um, Declan, were you sort of very unsurprised as well? Nah, and from what I have seen, you know, Montrose keeper will not be watching that game back because that is that is not a game he'd want to remember. Uh, like you know, the first goal he comes way out and just gets just gets totally caught out, and but he's back on his feet so. Whoever it was that took the ball around him, you know, he still had a chance to dive and kind of stop the cross going back along the box to laugh at him, but he just kind of got up and walked over to him. So, mm. and then obviously, I feel like the second one, it's probably hard to deal with and then swinging, and swinging ball into the box. 
And I think that pretty much summed up how the game went. You know, Kilmarnock just started off on the front foot and they just put too much pressure on Montrose that they couldn't they couldn't handle it. And it's no surprise to me that they, they went through. And as you were saying, from Montrose to score was probably a bonus because I did not see a goal coming in that game at all. Mm. Uh, Gogsy? Um, I would just like to say how ridiculous the kickoff team was. And also the fact that Montrose had played not even 48 hours previously. Uh, prior to this game, um, mm. so Montrose has gone through a, a patch of uh, playing two games on one on the Thursday night, in which they lost five 0 to Partick Thistle, and then they were made to play at eleven forty five on the Saturday, which yeah. I think is completely bonkers. Uh, some of these because of such congested, sorry, congested fixture uh, lists uh, for every team in the lower leagues, but I thought it'd been a bit more respectful if they had allowed the game to be played on a Sunday and if they'd let Montrose actually have uh, a proper rest period uh, because they li- they literally had to uh, get home really late on the Thursday night and then most of these players are part-time so they'd have been working on the Friday and then uh, be up at stupid o'clock on the Saturday morning and then driving through. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's shocking management from... The, the officials that are the admin team that, that sort these fixtures out. So, um, yeah. And, and who I actually wants to play a, foot, a professional football match at 11.45 on a Saturday? You've got the whole rest of the day. Exactly. Well, exactly. And you also have, like, the Sunday, as you mentioned. But, yeah, no, 11.40, it was a weird one. Um, I, I, I don't get it. Um, let's move on. You watched the St Johnston versus Clyde game, Gogsy. Um, yeah. Just quickly run us through that. What, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, well, I, I think it was it went the exact way I expected. I, I expected St Johnston to do it. Well, St Johnston been having been so good in the cups this season. Uh, they started as they meant to go on with uh, Guy Melamed scoring in the the first uh, ten minutes, and it, it was just it looked like it was going to be five or six from there on in. Uh, then St Johnson get a, a second goal uh, soon after uh, after a great three ball by Stevie May and uh, the boy just put him through uh, the Clyde keeper's legs and I mean had St Johnson not really taken their foot off the gas it would have been about five or six as I said um, but uh, Clyde unfortunate but um, they were against a much stronger outfit Declan do you see uh, St Johnston going for the cup double? Uh, nope I think that's a fairly unanimous answer. Um, Aberdeen versus Livingston then. I, I covered that game um, on Saturday night for, here's our wee plug for you, Gogsy, pass the mic. Um, I was surprised at actually um, how sort of entertaining the game was because there was a lot of tasty challenges in it. It was one that I felt this game isn't going to end with, uh, you know, with both teams having you know full players on the park it did but it was a game full of tasty challenges and you know another game for the Jet J Emmanuel Thomas to you know sort of assert his authority on he 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 played brilliantly um Livingston obviously unlucky to lose on on penalties but I I think it was a it was a really uh entertaining game and you know both teams gave it their all and Aberdeen just gave it obviously a bit more they went behind twice and came back and then took it to penalties. So it was a really, really interesting game, um, an enjoyable one. 
Um, I think they deserve to go through. Uh, what, what did you think of the game, Declan? I actually felt that um, Livy could maybe feel a bit hard done by. I'm, I'm on the other side of it. Uh, I didn't expect Livingston to play as well as or will uh, even really go through, to be honest. And obviously they didn't, but I, I thought that um, Aberdeen would have, would have controlled it more than they did. I just think that Aberdeen are a tough watch. You know, they've been a tough watch all season. But with, with class coming in and stuff, I thought that they would get a new manager bounce and they'd win it more comfortably. But it wasn't obviously, well, it wasn't to be more in terms of a comfortable, in comfortable fashion. But um, as you were mentioning about J. Emmanuel Thomas, I think he's. I'd be wrong not to highlight him because obviously two goals and I think he nearly got a hat-trick as well late on mm. and two penalties he scored were, you know, he just looked so calm and I think he's an important player for Livingston, especially if they're wanting to remain a force going forward um, he's such an outball for them and, and he's got kind of tidy players around him that, that link up well with him and they will be important for, for Livingston if, if they want any success going forward as I said, so um, I think Livingston will be disappointed. Martindale obviously spoke his disappointment, feeling that they were hard done by, and you know Aberdeen just probably you know when it goes to penalties, it's it's a lottery, so they'll just be relieved that they're in the next round. Yeah. Um, J. Emmanuel Thomas obviously took the penalties. Can I just see his penalty run up really irritates me because. It's one of those when it works, it looks good, but see when you miss, you look like an idiot. Um, and I, I mentioned that on Saturday night. It really, really irritates me. That's something I really want binned out of football. Um, it's, well, I, I don't know why it annoys me. It just, it just really, really does. Um, right, let, let's move on then. Um, there was two games to be played on the Sunday. Let's go to the the one that was probably most important: Stranraer versus Hibernian. Um, Four 0 to to Hibs. Uh, ran over the top of of Stranraer. Um What what was your thoughts on that game, Mark? Uh, no, for me the Hibs game. I, I of course I like the the most the uh, the most important um, comment. That was quite funny. Um, I think yep, Hibs very very good away win, strong away win as well. Uh, obviously could have been a potential banana skin. Every away cup game for most teams can be seen as a banana skin, but they did what they had to do. Turned up. Scored four goals, uh, a Martin Boyle double with Kevin Nisbet and Christian Dodge also getting themselves on the score sheet. So very, very um, efficient one would be a good word to use for that one. Very efficient one for Hibs. Uh, what about yourself, Declan? I think Hibs pretty much battered them from start to finish and it was just a matter of kind of, you know, Stranra being defensively sound and to be honest, at the start, they were kind of fending it off any any threat. But then that goal comes and see when you analyse it, it's just poor, like, schoolboy defending. Like, how he gets to swivel at Dodge gets to swivel at that in the box and score hmm. is, you know, just just so poor. And that's what that's what will cost you when you're playing against the bigger teams, like lapses in concentration like that. And I think, I think Stranra had a chance, like a good chance to kind of get back in the game at that point, maybe 1-2-0. And then, but after that, Hibs just went on to, to cruise into the next round. And this is important for Jack Ross, I feel. I feel like, you know, going into Hibs, he would have looked at the opportunity, maybe gain some silverware. And, you know, now that one of the old firms out, that it's a real chance for him. 
Um, what were yourself goals? Obviously, Hibs now face Motherwell in the the next round. Does, is that an encounter you're you're relishing, or do you, you feel like this might be in Hibs's favour? Uh, for me, it's an encounter that I relish. Uh, going over the three games that Motherwell played against Hibs this season, uh, the two games that we played at Easter Road, we dominated both games, and we were unlucky not to beat them in August. We drew nil nil. Uh, Hibs, I don't actually remember having a shot on target that day. Um, and it was literally it was the first game that Motherwell actually truly uh, asserted authority on, and then we lost three 0 at home at Far Park, uh, quite deservedly. And then most recently, uh, a couple of months ago, uh, when we when we went there and won two 0 and we absolutely deserved it. So I'm I'm sort of licking my lips at this tie. It's it's for me it's tie of the round. Uh, quite simply because whenever Mother will play one of the Edinburgh teams, it's usually a good game. Uh, and also, um, hopefully we can keep up our, our good form at Easter Road this season. It's not often I say that because uh, we hadn't won in seven years uh, at Easter Road before this year. So hopefully we can keep that up. And But my, my one worry is Hibs are a very good side when it comes to the cup games. Because you know the record recently, that they usually do go to Hamden at least once a season, and uh, hopefully that doesn't happen this year. Yeah, um, I was going to say the the most memorable Motherwell Hibs game was that was it not six six? Yes. Um, hopefully we don't get that kind of game, but I, I think it'd be funny if we did. No, um, my ticker couldn't happen. My ticker couldn't handle that. No, I was going to say for then it to go to penalties and everything. Um, no, it would be. Be one of the, it would be an enthralling game, I have to say. Um, right, let's move on to the the final game. Um, we are last maybe about five or so minutes that we have left. Um, so uh, Rangers versus Celtic. Rangers ran out two 0 winners. A very disappointing afternoon for Celtic. Uh, I think they they got their tactics all wrong. Um, I missed the first seventeen minutes of the game. Um, so I, I did. I missed the first goal, but um. I don't know what I've seen the goal back. Don't know what Scott Bain was doing. Uh, if that's Fraser Forster in goal, he saves that. Um, so, so it's poor from Celtic. I think their defence is as weak as a as a cup of tea, to be honest, this season. Uh, I don't understand the fuss about John Joe Kenny. Uh, you guys can maybe disagree, but I don't see what he offers to Celtic at all. I don't think he's an improvement on Jeremy Frimpong. Uh, great to get Frimpong for the money that Celtic did, but yeah, not not an improvement. One, I don't want to see back at Celtic next season. Not done enough. The only thing he's done of note this, this season since he came in was give the ball away for a corner that cost Celtic three points at Celtic Park against Rangers. So yeah, he's he's been hopeless. Um, the only positive that I think I can take from la- uh, yesterday's tie is that this team gets dismantled in the summer and Celtic get to build again because it's a team that has won all domestic trophies over the past five years and it's now ran out of steam. And it's sad, but it's it's necessary for, for Celtic to dismantle this team and, and go again because in a season of all seasons, Celtic have been woefully poor and we've spoke about it numerous times on the podcast woefully poor um and normally i let odds and edward away with some some stick the guy has been in training mode all season and it tells you how good he is as a player that he can be in training mode and still score the goals he has but he has not looked interested in the last couple of weeks for me and uh, i was hesitant about saying this because it is odds and edward but he's not done it 
uh, enough for me um, in in the big games this season. And missing that that penalty yesterday was terrible. You know, one of the worst penalties I've seen the guy take. So, yeah, not a great afternoon. Um, Rangers thoroughly deserved that, um, and they look like they're on for a league double. Um, can you see them not getting a league double, Gogsy? Uh, I'll, I'll speak with my heart here and say that St. Johnson will beat them uh, this weekend. Uh, but I mean, if we're lo- we're looking at St. Johnson playing Rangers uh, twice in a week. If I was if I was the manager of St. Johnson right now, I'd be telling I- I'd be fielding my youngsters and get them to just absolutely half the whole Rangers team, so so their first team can come out and then just uh, beat Rangers uh, on on the weekend. Uh, but um, honestly, I-, I would really love to have no sides of the old firm again in the cup semi-finals uh, this this weekend that, that uh, for the next round that, that would just be something absolutely special for Scottish football uh, Mark let's go to you because I know you're running out of time specifically um, no um, basically on yesterday mate you mentioned strange run-ups for J. Emmanuel Thomas Edward's run-up was basically that wasn't even, I don't even think it was a run-up. It was, it was as if he walked up not even believing that he was going to, that he was going to score. Well, it was, it's one of the ones that you say, you don't commit fully, then you uh, basically don't score. I completely agree with what you had to say about, t- about the system and the tactics, Stefan. Um, we played against Livingston last week, right? And basically played, well, Mohamed El Yunusi played left mid. Granted, James Forrest played right mid, right? But are we really telling ourselves that we have to change our whole system to a diamond system that hasn't actually really worked this season in the big games. And then we need to just change everything all over it, all over again, just for one player being injured to something that's not even worked. That was what annoyed me. And that was what really, really uh, consigned John Kennedy to never really, to not being the next Celtic manager for me. And honestly, it's a really, really big summer of big, big decisions ahead um, at Celtic Park. Um. Declan, what about yourself? What did you think of the game and, um, you know, that sort of react to, to the result and maybe John Kennedy? You know, Rangers deserved it. Again, Cruz that didn't, didn't need to go a certain gear. Like, we've not had to do it much this season at all. And that's the most disappointing thing from a Celtic point of view because going into that game, you're looking at it as your last opportunity. You know, you knock out them. You've got, you know, a pretty good chance of going on and winning the cup and to turn up and play the way we did is is embarrassing from a Celtic point of view and, and the the main difference is you know they play as a team like Celtic don't have one I don't think there's one guy that's got fight on that park you know I, I, you could argue Brown but he's miles off it in general I think he'll be lucky yeah, even I think he'll be I think he'll be lucky to you know even play a lot of games for Aberdeen next season but in terms of actually fight and someone that's going to have the grit to go into challenges and stuff and and get themselves about the park, you know, there's there's next to no one. You know, you've got your standouts like Turnbull, who is important in the transition to kind of get people to, you know, bring in and, and play around him and kind of get something working from that. But it's just, it's disappointing to, to go out in a whimper like that and, and, you know, as Mark said, the diamond doesn't work and it gives them an opportunity and ex- to exploit us in areas that were weak. But 
John Joe Kenny, I, honestly, I don't know how he's getting branded to be five, eight, ten million pound player. He's honestly, I'd, I'd drive him back to Liverpool now if you if you actually gave me the chance. I think he's he was terrible. He's gave away about two or three goals and all the old thumbs. Yeah, um, it's just on you go. I was just going to say I don't think that would that would work with the coronavirus rules to drive him back to um, Liverpool. However, I would pay for an Uber ride for him to go down there. Um, yeah, listen, I'd, I've spoke about how he's not done great, and I, I don't want to see him at Celtic Park next season. Um, you know, he's he's given away two goals in two games against Rangers uh, this season. That's not good. That's not great at all. Um, so, you know. I just want to emphasise, Rangers deserved you. You know, there's no making any excuses about it. You, you know, if you take your chances, you score. If you don't, you you don't. And I'm going to sound very Michael Owen-esque in saying that, but, you know, it is that at the end of the day. Rangers took their chances and they scored and could have scored more. Celtic had ample opportunity. And see if they'd been there to 10 o'clock last night, they still wouldn't have scored because... Mm-hmm. They, they just don't have that belief that they had once before. They don't have that big game mentality. And I don't know who they look to, to to get that big game mentality because Scott Brown was leaving for Aberdeen in the summer. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, it's one that a lot of Celtic fans are going to be waiting for uh, to see what happens. The last time Celtic were knocked out of the Scottish Cup by Rangers, Brendan Rodgers came in and Celtic dominated Scottish football. I think you're probably off your head if you think that's going to happen again. However, I think a lot of Celtic fans will, will sit and pray that, that it does. But yeah, listen, that's us. We've covered the European Super League. We've recapped all the action across the Scottish Cup um, from the past weekend. We'll be, we'll be back next Monday to do the exact same. I think we've got, uh, I think it's a full card of Scottish Cup fixtures next Saturday and Sunday. So uh, we will be back next Monday to cover them. Um in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Daystefano Talks, and we will see you again next Monday at 4 pm on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcast. Mm-hmm.